World's on fire. Our culture is disintegrating. Hey, pass the salt. It's time. It's time. Hey, you, pass the salt. You know what, why it's disintegrating? Because we're jellyfish. Pass the salt, will you? Pass the salt. Pass the salt, amigo. It's time. It's time. I think they could give us a new name. I believe we are Evan Jellyfish. Hey, will you pass the salt? Pass the salt. We need salt over here. It's time for Pass the Salt. Pass the salt. But we like to share the gospel without any backbone to it, see? The views, opinions, and seemingly outrageous comments expressed in this program are based on the Holy Spirit leading of a man called Coach. I gotta ask you this out there, Christian America. It's time for Pass the Salt with a coach, Dave Daubenmeyer. Hey, thanks for joining us here, folks. I don't know about you. I am sick and tired of the lying. I'm just sick and tired of the lying. In fact, There have been so many lies told us by our churches, by our educational system, by our government, that uh, I don't even know if we can swim out from under them. But one of the things I want to talk to you about, to talk with you about today, is this lie of the separation between the church and the state. It has become the mantra, it has become the underpinnings of our government that anything having to do with religion has to be pushed aside over into its own category because it's... They want us to believe that there's a separation between the church, no, no, between the government and morality. That's the mess we find ourselves in. So today we're going to dig in a little bit to this whole idea of the Thomas Jefferson's letter to the Danbury Baptist, what it really meant. Is there really a separation between the church and state? Because if we don't understand that, we're never going to get that thing straight. Hang in there with me. Call somebody. Tell them to tune in. We'll be right back on the other side. Okay, folks, he's cap- he captured that minute, so let's let's go. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> hey, I want to encourage you this morning, friends, as we di- as we dive into it here. I'm going to play a, a, a clip. We'll play a clip of something that. Uh, have you noticed, or is it just me? Uh, let me let me back up here. Many of you watching the show today uh, kind of wonder what the heck, where I came from, what's going on. I was a high school football coach. I got sued by the American Civil Liberties in 1997 for having prayer with our football team. 1997. Anybody in here good with math? How long ago was that, Silver? Anybody good with math? 25 years. 25 years ago, I was just a high school football coach, just minding my own business, and the American Civil Liberties Union came and sued me for having prayer with our football team. And I went through a two-year battle with the ACLU, and as a result of that, started uh, past the salt ministries. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 says, You're the salt of the earth, but the salt loses its savor. It's henceforth good for nothing except to be cast out and trodden under the foot of man. And I realized back 25 years ago that the church was dropping the ball. The church wasn't getting engaged. I began to do some research. I got dug into the separation between the church and state and the lie of all that. And that's what I want to show you today, because if we do not wake up, if the church doesn't wake up and understand exactly what's going on, that there is a literally a war on Christianity. If we don't understand it, folks, uh, they're going to they're going to make so many daggone they're going to make so many daggone laws against Christianity. Have you have you been you been watching it all? Have you been watching the open sewer open sewer of pornography that's everywhere on the internet? Doesn't matter what age it is, you click the wrong click, it's there. Drag queen story out time, all this stuff, trying to somehow draw our kids into immorality. 
Now, why are we, how long are we as Christians going to sit back and permit the devil's team to be the one to decide what is moral and what is not moral? And I tell people all the time, it's not that they're, that they don't have a morality. They have a morality. They don't have a Christian morality. And I'm going to tell you something. Those who are serving the devil actually believe what they are doing is right. They believe that teaching homosex to children is good and normal. That's what they believe. That's why we always say here at Coach Dave Live, it's a seed of the serpent against the seed of the woman. And whose values are going to be promoted? And the Bible tells us Jesus, and what they've taught us is the Lord's Prayer, says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. On earth. Can somebody explain to me, why is the devil's will being done on earth? What the heck's going on with that? The devil's will being done on earth. So what are you talking about, Coach? Oh, yeah. Transgenderism, homosex, you name it. The devil's the devil's agenda, folks, is right now being promoted in Washington, D.C. Right now in Washington, D.C. It's the criminalization of Christianity. And those of you who've watched my, this show for any length of time know that I'm constantly telling us and warning us that they're after the white evangelical Protestant. Why are they after the white evangelical Protestant? Because they have so beaten down the black man that the black man is struggling even to get back up on us, even though he has, right? We know. Uh, uh, this, is a, uh, this is a race-free zone. We talk the truth here, right? But they've so trampled down. Look at what's going on down in, in Georgia. Herschel Walker, who has a clear Christian witness against Raphael Warnock, two black men running for um, Senate and black Americans, Christians in D.C., I'm sorry, in Atlanta and down in Georgia. They're more black than they are Christian, right? They are, because why? The, sep- the lie of the separation between the church and state. That's why I want to jump in here, too. By the way, before I do that, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little bit of evidence here before we jump into it. Did anybody see Cadillac Williams? You say, what? Cadillac Williams. Stay right there, man. You say, who's, who's Cadillac Williams? Well, he, the Auburn College, Auburn University football coach got fired. And as an interim coach, they put in Cadillac Williams, Carnell Cadillac Williams. And I want you to watch this. I hate to say this because I don't want to speak uh, doubt. Uh, this could have been a death blow to Carnell, to Cadillac Williams at this press conference. I want you to watch this, friends. He opens up his press conference. They just gotten beat. And they open up, he opens up this interim football coach. Would he like to be the new head coach? Sure. He would love to. But he's in serious trouble because he led with the gospel. And he stood before the people. I'm just going to show you a one-minute clip. He stood before the media, and what did he say? He said, I'm paraphrasing, that a lot of people worry about the wins and the losses and yada, yada, yada. But he said, listen, I'm worried about broken men. I'm worried about broken men. We had a lot of broken men on our football team. And he says, we had 17. You'll hear it. Since I've been coached four months, we've had seven. We've had salvations. We've had 17 baptisms. Death blow to Carnell Cadillac Williams. I want to encourage you folks that we have to stand in support of this time. Remember, I got sued by the ACLU for simply praying with our football team 25 years ago. 
And here we are circling back. Play this, uh, Mr. Producer. Play this, Cornell. Cadillac Williams. Remember, he's the interim head football coach. He should, if he wants to remain the coach, he needs to say all the right things and see if he did here. But it didn't. I seen kids that was broken. I seen kids that needed help. An opportunity to get to serve them and see how, wow, they have opened their heart. How they under the 360. How they back believing. A lot of cool things in this four weeks done happened. I mean, 12 guys gave life to Christ. Seven guys get baptized. <laughs> um, so, um, to get today's game, We didn't get it done. Um, but he didn't worry about the football game, is he? He's worried about changed lives. Did you, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Twelve salvations, seven baptism, broken people. When are we as Christians going to stand up and push back against this lie that we cannot offer Christian morality to our kids. When are we going to, when are we going to push back against that lie? I want to take Ooh. you on a journey today. I got to show you this. Go to number two. Go to Coney Barrett. I don't know if you guys saw this one or not. There's a war on Christianity. Did you know this? That they, they want Coney Barrett to recuse herself from the Supreme Court LGBT case because she's a Christian. Did you know that they are filing a, a motion to have Amy Coney Barrett remove herself from the decision because she's an openly Christian. Can you, can you imagine this, folks? Can you imagine them ever making Clarence Thomas remove himself because he's black or have any a woman remove herself because she's a woman? Can, you, can we even imagine this? But this is the frontal assault that we have right now on Christian um, thought, Christian practice, Christian morality. The devil is full force attacking Christian morality. Get it? Get it? So I want to ta- I want to help you today. And that's not the right word. That sounds that sounds uh, kind of stupid. I I want to I want to uh, enlighten you today exactly of the lie of the separation of the church and state. Exactly how that thing happened. But before we get there, I want to encourage you with this scripture. Pull up for me Psalm one thirty through one thirty four. There, Mister Producer, if you will. Oh, I'm going to take you somewhere. Stay with me. Huh? This, this is this is Michelle and I's Bible reading yesterday. I, I, I listen. I love the victorious Jesus. Oh, I love the merciful one. Don't get me wrong. I love the uh, I, I love the victorious Jesus. I love the stand up and push back Jesus. I love that Jesus. And yesterday, when Michelle and I were reading um, four, our reading yesterday were four Psalms. Hang with me here. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. This is Psalm 130. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attended to the voice of my supplications. If thou, Lord, shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. We don't fear the Lord anymore. We don't teach the fear of the Lord anymore. 
I wait for the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning, I wait for the Lord. Let Israel, let Christians hope in the Lord. With the Lord there is mercy, and with him is plenteous redemption. And he shall redeem Christianity from all his iniquities. Now that's just Psalm 130. Let's go to 131 quickly. Very short one. These are four very, very short Psalms. Psalm 131. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eye lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. Let Israel hope that Christians hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. Psalm 132. Just click on it there, brother. Lord, remember David and all his afflictions, how he swore unto the Lord and bowed unto the mighty God of Jacob. Surely I will not come into the tabernacle of my house. They'll go up into my bed. I will not sleep to mine eyes or slumber to mine eyelids till I find out a place for the Lord and a habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. Lo, we heard of it at Ephetah, and we found it in the fields of the wood. We will go into his tabernacles, and we will worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, into thy rest, thou and the ark of thy strength. Let thy priests be clothed with righteousness, and let thy saints shout for joy. For the servants, David's sake, turn not away the face of thine. I love this God. I love this God. The Lord hath sworn in truth unto David, and he will not turn from it. Oh, the fruit of thy body will I set upon thy throne. If thy children will keep my covenant, my how about that, friends? If thy children will keep my covenant and my testimony that I shall teach them, their children shall also sit upon the throne forevermore. Do we want our children to sit under the Lord or not here, Christians? Do we want our children to or not? For the Lord hath chosen Zion. He hath desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell. Zion is in the presence of the Lord, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provision. I will satisfy her poor with bread. I will also clothe her priests with salvation, and her saints shall shout aloud for joy. There will I make the horn of David to bud. I have ordained a lamp for mine anointed. His enemies will I clothe with shame. But upon himself shall his crown flourish. One more, one more short one. Psalm 134. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. For it's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down the beard, even into Aaron's beard, and then went down to the skirts of his go- Unity, the power of unity, the power of unity as the dew of Hermon, as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there, where there is unity, God will command the blessing, even life forevermore. So how did we get to the place here in the good old U.S. of A. where Christianity is now being kicked to the curb? If you're a Christian, you can't be on the Supreme Court. If you're a Christian, you can't pray with a football team. If you're a Christian, you can't hold office. But folks, this lie of the separation between the church and state has so permeated the American culture. I want to talk about that with you here today. Pull up for me if you can, Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, Producer, pull up uh, Jefferson's letter. Pull that up. You guys know anything about this? Did you know that this is a result of the Everson versus the Board of Education 
uh, Supreme Court decision in 1947. Up until then, uh, not only was Bible reading done in our schools, well, Bibles, the first, one of the first duties George Washington had when he became president of the United States is he had Bibles printed for the school children. <clears throat> Did you know that? So most of you have never read Jefferson's letter. I'm trying to see if I got enough time here. Yeah, I do. So here it is, folks. This is the Danbury Baptist letter to Thomas Jefferson written in 1801. Scroll down a little bit for me, because I think it's important that we understand this, okay? So here the Danbury Baptists got together, and they wrote to Thomas Jefferson, and here's what they say to him. Sir, among the many millions in America and Europe who rejoice in your election to office, we embrace the first opportunity which we have enjoyed in our collective capacity since your inauguration to express our great satisfaction in your appointment to the chief magistrate in the United States. And though the mode of expression may be less courtly and pompous than what many others clothe their addresses with, we beg you, sir, to believe that none is more sincere. In other words, they butter him up. Oh, we love you. We're glad you're present. But by the way, uh, because remember, they thought Thomas Jefferson was what? They thought maybe he was a secularist. They thought maybe he didn't really believe. They were concerned about Jefferson. They didn't want him to come in and make the Church of England the official church again. They didn't want the king, the president of the United States, being the head of the church and the head of the government. So they just wrote a letter saying, can't we still be Baptists? Our sentiments, our union formally in the side of religious liberty, that religion is at all times and places matter between God and the individual, that no man ought to suffer a name, person, or effects on account of his religious opinions. Remember, religion meant Christianity, folks. Each one of the denominations was set up according, each one of the states was set up according to denominations. And that no man ought to suffer a name, person, or effects on account of his religious opinions and that the legitimate power of civil government extends no further than to punish the man who works ill to his neighbor. So they, they're telling him, say, listen, the church is in charge. The civil, civil government, it just punishes people. But, sir, our constitution of government is not specific. And our ancient charter, together with the laws made coincident thereof, were adapted as a basis of our government at the time of the revolution. And such has been our laws and usages and such and still are that religion is considered as the first object of legislation. In other words, nothing trumps religious freedom. Nothing trumps religious freedom, including getting a jab, wearing a mask, closing your church. Nothing trumps religious freedom. And therefore, well, religious privileges we enjoy, we enjoy as as we enjoy as favors granted and not as inalienable rights. In other words, that our rights are from God, they're not granted to us by government. And these refavors we receive at the expense of such degrading acknowledgments as are inconsistent with the rights of free men. It is not to be wondered at, therefore, if those who seek after power and gain under the pretense of government and religion should reproach their fellow men or should reproach their chief magistrate, God, as an enemy of religion, law, and good order. Okay, I'm going to stop here. So they're saying, look, we want freedom of religion, and we don't want the government interfering with our freedom of religion. That's Dan Barry's Baptist letter to Thomas Jefferson. Scroll down, and we'll see. You can read all of it. I'll put it in the chat. You can read all of it. And then you'll see what Thomas Jefferson refers. Stop. Folks, now listen, as I read this, you tell me if Thomas Jefferson was against Christianity. Here's his response. The affectionate sentiment, of, uh, he says, thanks all of you guys for doing that. Thank you for that. And he says this, believing with you that religion is a matter which lies solely between man and his God, 
religion, folks, not Christianity, not morality, religion, that he that man owes account to no other for his faith or his worship, that the legislative powers of government reach actions only and not opinions. I contemplate with sovereign reference that the act of the whole American people, which declare that their legislator would make no law respecting an establishment of a religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, thus building a wall of separation between the church and the state, meaning the government keeps its nose out of the church, thus building a wall of separation between the church and the state. Adhering to this expression of the supreme will of the nation in behalf of the rights of the conscience, I shall see with sincere satisfaction that progress of those sentiments which tend to restore to man all his natural rights conceived. He has no natural right in opposition to his social duties. I reciprocate your kind prayers for the protection and blessing of the common father, creator of man, and tender you for yourselves, your religious association, assurances of my high respect and esteem. Anybody, anybody see Thomas Jefferson saying the government can't push morality? Anybody see that in any of it's written there? Mr. Producer, how much time do I have? Thank you, brother. Thank you. So, folks, how did we get where we were? How did we get where we are? Go to the next one, supremejuicedecant.com, uh, Mr. Producer. Let, then we'll crack it up. I'm going to let you get in here. I got I to gotta lay, lay the ground. Look, at, here it is. Here it is. This is Everson versus the Board of Education, 19. 19- 47. By the way, when was Jefferson's letter written? 1801. We were a Christian nation from 1801 till 1947. We were a Christian nation. And a letter that Jefferson wrote in 1801, by the way, Thomas Jefferson is credited with uh, writing the with writing the Bill of Rights, right? He was the one that was credited with it. Everson Bourse of Education, although the Establishment Clause does require governments to avoid excessive entanglements with religion, it is permissible for a state to reimburse the cost of transportation for students in parochial schools. What, what are you talking about? This whole debate was over whether or not they could pay for kids to go to school in a secular, at a Catholic, Catholic school. Catholic school. That's what the whole thing was about. The Supreme Court come down ruling on that, saying, nah, no, uh, I guess we, uh, they were worried about government support of Catholic schools. That's really what Everson versus the Board of Education is all about. Oh, my goodness, I got a minute. I got a minute left. So, so folks, here we sit today in 2022, and we see that here, that still today, they are trying to eliminate Christianity, the impact, the effect of Christianity in all of our laws still today, to the point where if you are a Christian, your your opinion does not count. Doesn't count. We get back here on the other side of the break here. I'm going to open it up. I'm going to hear from you. I got some more information to share with you about what happened to me as a high school football coach in 1997 for simply praying with our football team in the two-year battle I personally endured with the American Civil Liberties, ah, still can't say that word, ACLU, and those demons, those God-hating demons that run that organization. Hang in there with us. We'll be right back. Okay, thanks, folks. Thanks for bearing with me. I'm going to open it up here, okay? 
I'm coming back now. Three, two, one. So what does it mean by separation between the church and state? What does that mean? It doesn't really mean the separation of morality and state. You know, they said that there would be no religious test. In other words, Christians were allowed to be on it. But see, they were talking about Baptist, Lutheran, Methodist. That, that's what they were talking about. Because remember, when they came here, when the pilgrims came over here, they fled religious tyranny, being that the king was the head of the church and the head of the government. And they didn't want that again. And they said, please, Danbury Baptist said to Thomas Jefferson, please don't make the president of the United States the head of the government and the head of the church. That's what the debate was about, friends. That's what it was about. I want to show you something here real quickly, and then uh, I'm going to open it up for some of you. Pull up where it says ACLU down there at the bottom, brother. ACLU. Look at this. huh? ACL declares victory in Ohio school where football coach led prayers and read scripture. October 19th, 1997. Unbelievable, huh? Can I read this to you just a second? Then, I'll, then I'm going to crack it open and let you get in here. Folks, remember, this was written in 1999. And I want you to listen to the language that the Luciferian Communist American Civil Liberties Union uses. An eight-year history of religious indoctrination. They're talking about me. Talking about me. An eight-year history of religious indoctrination of student-athletes. Eight-year indoctrination. See, they don't mind if they're indoctrinated in homosex. They don't mind if they're indoctrinated in transgenderism. They don't mind if they're indoctrinated in, in evolution. They don't mind if they're indoctrinated in Heather has two mommies. They don't mind that, but religious indoctrination, see. By the way, what is religious indoctrination? Huh? The ACLU lawsuit filed in June of 1999 against the London School District, and that members of the London High School coaching staff had led prayers and passed out scriptural verses to players, preaching the First Amendment wall of separation between the church and state. See, the li- they're lying already. For years, local citizens. Hey, Paul, how many local citizens? How many local citizens? For years, local citizens in London had complained that these teaching practices were inappropriate. How many? How many did? Huh? The settlement, which the ACL attorneys, watch this now, have been quietly negotiating with lawyers for the district and the coaches since early last month, prohibits future acts of religious indoctrination, there's that word, and establishes a system for reporting violations of agreement. Going down, Ray Vasfari says, we filed suit for only one reason, to put a stop to a long history of First Amendment violations at London High School. And when it became clear that the school district and the coaches were willing to abide by the law, we had achieved our purpose. Listen to this. Are you ready? During discovery depositions held in the last two weeks, head coach David Dobbenmeyer admitted to leading the team in prayer after games, passing out scriptural verses to team members, allowing ministers to lead the team prayer, and using Bible stories as a a part of certain team meetings. Oh, off with his head! Off with his head! Dobbenmeyer denied having engaged in such misconduct. I never denied that. Although, I never denied that, folks. I never, ever denied that. The settlement comes just one day before the case was scheduled to be heard in federal court. James Judge James Graham said a hearing for today, but canceled. Yada, yada. Scroll down, Spence. I can't read anymore. There you go. 
So what did they do? Uh, they, they took $17,000 in legal fees and went out the back door. Look at this. For the first time in eight years, parents can send their kids to London High School securing the knowledge that they won't learn anything about religion, but they'll learn, learn about homosex, they'll learn about same sex, they'll learn about uh, uh, evolution, they'll learn about indoctrination, they'll learn about all kinds of stuff, but we're going to make sure that they don't learn anything about Christ. Under the agreement for the next two years, the principal of London High School must report all complaints of religious activity, not only to the district superintendent. Yada, yada. Okay, so folks, look. Prayer never stopped. It never stopped. Even after the lawsuit was settled, prayer never stopped. Why didn't it stop? Because it is not illegal. It's not illegal. They huff and they puff and they blow our house in. And by the way, that's what the whole decision was about with uh, the coach just recently with the Supreme Court of the United States ruled that there is no constitutional prohibition of a coach praying with his football team. Folks, this is the mirage we are still living under today. Still living under today. Prayer never stopped. There it is. Second agreement previously ratified the lawyers awards the ACLU $18,000 in attorney fees. Hang on real quickly, real quickly here. Who's the ACLU? Click on what it says. Uh, uh, Where is it? Which one is it? ACLU Origins. Guys, guys, did you guys know this? Huh? Did you guys know this? Their origins of the American Civil Liberties Union are deeply entangled with communism. Huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. ACLU founder Roger Bolden's radicalism caught the eye of the FBI, which quoted him in a 1924 report of saying the right to advocate a violent revolution, assassination, and proletariat red guard are clearly within scope of free speech. The ACLU founder traveled to Stalin's Russia in 1927, wrote a book entitled Liberty Under the Soviets in the following year, which defended Lenin's and Stalin's repression of dissent brought because they are weapons in the transition to socialism. Folks, the American Civil Liberties Union is socialist, communist, designed to do what? Because in communism, there is no God. Government is God. Boom. They brought it here. And we today still believe that there's a separation between the church and state. I mean, I've rattled on. I, I tried to pack a lot of information in there, folks. I'll stick these things in the chat where you can go yourself and you can find them. But this is the truth of this tyranny that we're living under. Because they're, if they want to say there's a separation between the church and state, they're talking about the fact, Jefferson was talking about the fact that the president would never be ahead of the American church, whatever that means. That's what he meant. It was never, ever, ever that the government granted the church church rights, that the government could tell the church to close down, that the government could tell the people to take Take shots. Never, ever, ever. And friends, we're still living under that, excuse me, still living under that delusion today. Man, I'm I'm talking fast. I'm talking, I'm going to open it up here. I'm going to open it up. I got just a few minutes here uh, uh, with with our host here, Brian. Anybody want to jump in here? Anybody have anything else that they want to say? The door is open. Come on here. Let me hear what you think. Hey, Coach, very simple. This is a bait and switch I'm always talking about. They didn't switch. They just keep playing games. Slide hand, brother. 
Sleight of hand, right? Sleight of hand. And how many Americans today believe there is a separation between the church and state? How many people believe we can't have prayer in our schools? We can't have Bible reading in our schools? Because I follow this in 1947, when the Jefferson versus the Board of Education came down, 1947, there was prayer in schools. Well, whose idea was that? Well, Thomas Jefferson and his boys, George Washington, they're the one that put religion in there. They did it. Huh? Yeah. 1961, they took prayer out of schools based on the 1947 separation between the church and state. 1963, they took uh, Bible reading out of the schools. 1973, they said you could kill babies. 1980, Stone versus Graham, they took down the Ten Commandments. We have been fooled. We've been fooled, folks. And the only way that we're going to win the only way they're going to reclaim this nation is if we can once again put Christianity at the forefront of what's going on. Tim Parker, come on in. I'm talking fast today. Yeah, Coach, I do have that uh, speech coming up, Turning Point USA, where I talk about this. There is separation of church and state. It's just not what they think it is. That's right. Uh, we actually have the God-given right to establish the Christian religion everywhere in America. Uh, not only that, hey, Tim. Tim, Tim, not only that, we were ordered by our Savior to go and teach them, right? We were told to go do what? Go teach them to observe all I've commanded you. And so the government tells us we're not allowed to. How stupid are we, Tim? Go ahead. So in a book by Benjamin J. Morris, he says that there's four things that have to go with an established religion, a creed to be followed, rites and ordinances to be followed, ministers of defined qualifications to teach doctrine and administer rights and tests for submitted ones with penalties for non-submission. <clears throat> An established religion never existed without these four points. So the establishment clause actually guarantees Christian tenets are always valid, period. Amen. If we if we knew that, we would not let the government run over the church. So there Amen. is a separation. But Jefferson boldly proclaimed that our right should never be infringed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. And among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right there, folks. It's right there in the Declaration of Independence. They have lied to us. Evil men have crept in unawares, and they've changed the truth of God into a lie. Come on, dudes. Come on, church. Stand up, church. Paul, come on in. Sounds like medicine, folks. Were you waiting on Paul? I'm sorry. Sounds like medicine, Coach. I uh, just so we're clear, I, I see the same thing. They've taken prayer out of healing. They Christ healed through the spirit. He didn't heal through the physical and the mental. He healed the spirit, and the rest followed. And now so Paul, medicine has become the new cult. So, Paul, that brings us back to what we heard about Cadillac Williams at the beginning. We have children. We can call high, we can call college football players children, can't we? 18, 19, 20 year old. Yeah, we'll call them young men whose souls are in disarray. And that's what Cadillac Williams is saying. Said, I saw players everywhere. Their lives were a mess. 
Why were their lives a mess? Because they had no direction. And as the football coach, same thing Coach Dave did, as the football coach at London High School, I was going to make sure that our kids left our football program prepared for life. Not just winning football games or losing football games, prepared for life, the lessons of life. Yes, I used Bible scriptures to teach lessons. Yes, I stood in front of our team and talked about Gideon's army and how it didn't take a whole bunch of people. It just took the 30 of us in the locker room. Yes, I stood in in front of our football team and talked about David and Goliath when we were underdogs, this sling a stone. Yes, we did that. Yes, we talked to them about, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, to present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, and not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Yes, I did that. Yes, I did that. Can somebody show me where that's illegal? When did that become illegal? And I could right now, if I wanted to, if I, if I put it together, I could call right now, 15 football players who would get on here and testify about how playing under a moral covering impacted their life even to this day. How long are we going to continue to cower when our children and grandchildren are at risk? Julie, come on in. Hey, folks, I feel this, man. I feel this. Go, Julie. We need to get a hold of these pastors because I've talked to, I don't know, two or three pastors that believe in the separation between church and state. That's because the seminaries are communist. The seminaries are communists. They've taken them over. Jeff. Coach, I talked to Pastor Matt last night from the school board here in Knox County. And I think that's that's what I asked him. We need to expose this lie to the people because they believe it. So I think it's what we're going to try and use here to, that we'll go in as Christians and run over the school board. Well, Jeff, we know, look, we know this folks. Look, look. Say what you want to about the government beast. We know that right now that the Supreme Court is tilted in our favor, right? And we saw the Supreme Court do two things that I think are absolutely remarkable if we're smart enough to see it. Number one, the most controversial decision in the history of the U.S. Supreme Court is when the U.S. Supreme Court said, sorry, no right to an abortion. That was, folks, that was landscape shifting. Now, we have to push through on that one. But that was that was that was America changing. And then number 2. The Supreme Court said what? The football coach has the right to pray with his football team. Those are both land shaping decisions. But not if the church doesn't understand it and the church doesn't see it. And not not we have to sneak Christianity into the public schools through Bible clubs or whatever those things they are they're calling them. It was it was uh, John Adams, I believe, I could be wrong, said to educate a student and not educate him in morality is to educate a menace to society. Have you looked around? Have you looked around? Have you gone on the internet and seen the debauchery available to young people on the internet? Have you have you watched what they're trying to teach our children in public schools? Have you watched what they're, the drag queen story, all that stuff? Have you looked at the destruction of the natural family? Do you see exactly what's going on? Do we as Christians understand the wiles of the devil and his um, his plan to destroy the seed of the woman? Don't we see it? But we don't. We don't because we we bought this lie. Craig, come on in and play. Well, the way I see it, Coach, is they want to 
chase Jesus out of every equation of life and then bring in their religion, which is humanism. Okay, so, hey, 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 Craig, why would they want to chase out Jesus? Because he's the truth. He's the way, the, way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is, right? And what's the devil? The devil is the exact opposite of the way, the truth, and the life. And what's going on? Who's winning the battle currently? The devil's winning the battle currently because we dummies have believed that there's a separation between morality and the state. You, you get it? Do you get what's going on? Do we see what's happening here? Clay, come on in. Belief in a creator is a religious belief. And if there's a creator, then the creator would be the one that made the first government and the first laws. So they're, they have to, and, and our, our, our original founding uh, documents of this country speak of a creator. So that tells the whole story right there. They believed in a creator. Mr. Producer, can we go, can we go back to Jefferson's letter real quickly? Could you go back to that? Because I want you guys to see this. Remember, folks, this is 1801. No internet. I don't even know. Did they have typewriters in it? I, I don't know. How did, how did they write things down in 1801? That's how long ago this was, right? 1801. In 1947, I'm not real good in math, but I believe that's 146 years later, some guys on the Supreme Court determined that there isn't a right to, to prayer, right? Now, hang on, hang on. What's Jefferson say? Well, how's Jefferson respond? Going down the last paragraph. Believing with you, it's Thomas Jefferson. By the way, the Supreme Court went back 140 years and pulled this letter out. 140 years they went back. Believing with you that religion is a matter which so lies solely between man and his God, and that man owes account to none other than God for his faith, I'm paraphrasing, or his worship, and that the legislative powers of government reach actions only and not opinions. See, the courts can only habeas corpus. There has to be a crime. There must be a body. Opinions are not laws, is what Jefferson's saying. Powers of government reach actions only and not opinions. I contemplate with sovereign reference the act of the whole American people, which declared that their legislator would make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting free exercise, thus building a wall of separation between the church and state. Adhering to this expression of the supreme will of the nation in behalf of the rights of conscience, I shall see with sincere satisfaction the progress of those statements which tend to restore to man all his natural rights, convinced he has no natural right in opposition to his social duties. And then to top it off, Jefferson, who they said was a secularist, says, I reciprocate your kind prayers for the protections and blessing of the common father and creator of men. And tender for yourselves in religious association assurances of my high respect and esteem. Jefferson said, I'm with you, boys. The government will never reign over the church, and the government will never reign over individual believers. That was Jefferson's message. That was his message. So what do we do? What do we do? 
when the, the idea of the separation between the church and the state has become so entrenched in American culture, in American society, that even our pastors are afraid to stand up and speak from the pulpit for fear of what? Violating a Supreme Court opinion. An opinion. It was in the, what, what uh, um, I've used to, I used to know, it used to all be on the top of my head. Uh, where, which Supreme Court decision said all laws repugnant to the Constitution are null and void? All laws repugnant to the Constitution are null and void. I'm going to say that again. All laws. By the way, praying before a game is not a law. There is no law. There is no law. Folks, the law regarding same-sex marriage in Ohio, the law on the books is what? Man, woman. That is the law. There is no law, no law, saying there's uh, there's a uh, separation between us. There's no law. Barbara, there you go. Boom. So we are following opinions rather than, than laws. And they, I think it was William Henry Harrison, although I could be, be wrong, my, I'm getting old, where uh, he made a decision regarding, I can't remember which, which, which law it was, but he said, well, the Supreme Court has made their decision. Now let's see them enforce it. There you are. The Supreme Court has made their decision. Now let's see them enforce it. Folks, we're on the cutting edge. We are, we are teetering. We're either going to go one way or we're going to go another. And it is all determinant now upon what it is that the church does at this time and at this place right now. Will the church arise, push back against the forces of darkness, and say no longer are we going to live under a tyrannical, uh, atheistic, communist government. We will not have them rule over us as God-fearing, free men and women. That's the challenge that faces us today, friends. Time to stand up, push back. See you next week. Boom. Boom. Come on in, Joe. So as well, what you're saying, the Democrats are saying that we're on a dictatorship. Right. Not a republic. Right. We are a republic of our rights. Not a dictator. We're a constitutional republic. We're a constitutional republic. And if you look at the power, see, that's why they talked about, look, folks, they, they called it balance of powers. Balance of powers, right? Because no, no, none, was strong, none was stronger than the other. They all, all had limited um, responsibilities, limited authority, limited power, all, of, all three branches of government. They were checks and balances. They were supposed to balance each other. As soon as the Supreme Court ruled that there was a right for a man to marry a man, the legislature should have risen up and said, whoa, 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 oh, oh. No, we're going to make a law here. We're going to make a law. Because right now, this whole idea of uh, same-sex marriage there's no law. There's no law, folks. There's no law. It's been in a Supreme Court decision. Revelation 2015. Come on in. 
Morning, Coach. I think maybe a good start to this fight would be is if all churches and affiliated groups gave up their 501c3 tax status. That way we well, can get I, that yoke off yoke of the state off of us. Well, you remember, remember uh, Donald Trump tried to do that. Do you remember that? And do you know who came out against it? Do you guys know who came out against it? The religious institutions came out against the 501c3. They wanted the 501c3. Can I tell you why? Because as long as they had the 501c3, they could say, we're not allowed to talk about that. Oh, I'd love to tell you how I feel, but we're not allowed to talk about that. And they gave them a skirt to hide behind. That's all that was. That's all the 501c3 is all about. You know, there's not one church in American history that lost their 501c3 status for speaking out politically. Not one. Not one church has ever lost that. Again, that's one of those bears hiding in the corner that we're afraid is going to eat us. Come on in, Don Voss. You're also afraid about the butts and the seats. So I'm saying because that would avoid their tax exempt status. They were afraid that they weren't going to have the people in the seats to pay the bill. Don, I'm going to show you something right here. If Spencer's on top of it, Spencer, go to Mr. Webster. <clears throat> I'm going to show you something the difference. Okay, okay. There's a difference between being tax exempt and tax immune. I'm going to show you the difference here right now. The church is tax immune. Immune. Okay. Pull up immune. What is immune? Uh, immunity. Put up Im- immunity. Bring up immunity. Freedom or exemption from obligation. To be exempted from observing the rights or duties of the church. Exemption from any charge, duty, or office, tax, or imposition. A particular privilege as the immunities of free citizens of the immunities of the clergy. So if you're tax immune, immune means like, did you ever guys get a shot and say that made me immune? Immune means you, you cannot get it. It doesn't apply to you if you are immune, as opposed to exempt. What's exempt? Churches are tax immune. Tax laws do not apply to churches, period. They're immune. But exempt, oh, well, you are free by privilege. In other words, somebody granted you exemption. You get the difference? So when churches apply for tax exemption, they're admitting that the government has the authority to tell them they do have to pay taxes, but we're going to let you be exempt. When, in fact, we're immune, which means that doesn't apply to me. I can't get that. That doesn't affect me. You guys see the difference? So churches are tax immune, not tax exempt. Jack. Uh, Robin versus Hardaway. On November 15th, I sent you a, a text, and it gives you the Supreme Court ruling, 1790. What is it? Give us the uh, overview. What's it say, Jack? What's it, Give us the overview, Jack. Julie, come on in. Yeah, um, you know, getting back to this tax-exempt thing. 
um, that new law or whatever they're trying to pass through. Um, Any law, listen to me, any law uh, uh, repugnant to the Constitution. Spencer, there's another word, repugnant, repugnant. Any law repugnant to the Constitution is null and void. What does repugnant mean? Repugnant, opposition, contrary, inconsistent, disobedient, not obsequious. In other words, if they make a law that violates your constitution right, it's no law at all. In other words, if they make a law legalizing the murder of unborn children, it's no law at all. It's repugnant to the constitution because every human being has the right to life. Are you following me? You guys see this? Do you see how they how they're winning with words? They're winning with words. And so if they say that I have to take a vaccine to keep my job, that's repugnant to the Constitution. It's null and void. I have the right to freedom of religion, freedom of expression. I have that God-given right. The government nor the courts can tell me to take a shot. It, um, it all ties together, and it all tie together. The, if I seem like I'm pissed today, I am. Come on in, Julie. I am too. Um, but this 5013C. Who cares? Who cares about the 501C3? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? The only reason a five. <clears throat> if you have a pastor that says we're not allowed to talk about uh, religion and politics because of the 501c3, get another church and get one quickly. Get another church and get one quickly. The job of the clergy is to speak to the moral issues of the day. The moral issues of the day are the politics of the day. That is the job. Isaiah 56.10. Pull it up there, Spencer. Isaiah 56. (laughs) They're taking money not to do their job, Coach. It's ridiculous. Start with 10. His watchmen are blind. They're all ignorant. They're all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving the slumber. Yeah, they're greedy dogs. They can never get enough. They're shepherds. They cannot understand. They all look to their own way. Everyone's seen how they can get bigger people in there, more money and more influence, and everybody loving them. Come, you say they. I'll fetch a wine, and we'll teach your kids homosex, and we'll teach them evolution, and we'll keep... Filling ourselves a small, strong drink, and boy, tomorrow will be even better because our kids will be enlightened and woke. There's a problem, right? There's a problem. Janine. It's taken years to get us to where we're at, and they know uh, they plan many, many years. It doesn't matter if it's 100 years in advance. It's all about worship, and they've, um, to change the Constitution, they've also changed the um, Ten Commandments, yep. and now it's it's the Constitution. It's all about worship, and in the Word of God says, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, the gaslighting of the people will accept it. It's just it's did, terrible. Janine, did God really say that's where it began, wasn't it? Did God exactly. really say? I don't know. Let's go ask the Supreme Court. Is there? Can we get a Supreme Court together and ask them whether whether or not God said that? that that's what. That's really where we are. And so we as Christians, we're living under the tyranny of a Luciferian, God-hating, communist, Luciferian, God-hating system, and we think we're supposed to obey it. Thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done on earth. So Christians, then it must be the will of God that men marry men. If we're being, if we're, if His will being done on earth, that must be His will. Why are we fighting against it? It must be the Lord's will to murder babies. It must be, because Thy will be. He said, "Go ye into all the world and teach them to observe all I've commanded you." Go do that, will you? That's the great commission, great commandment. Go and teach. There's the great commission. Go, and there's a commandment. Teach. Go, teach. It doesn't say go to public schools and let the Luciferian communists teach your children. It doesn't say that. It says just the opposite. Well, I'm feeling this today. I'm so, I, you know why I'm feeling this today? Because I got that thing from the ACLU. After I did my show with J.R. Harrison, another one, I'm going to make that available to you guys. You got to listen to it because it took me down memory lane. Uh, J.R., as I said, it's one of the first interviews anybody ever said, tell us your story. And it just came, boom, it just came out. I remembered all that stuff, uh, all that stuff. And say, here we are, how many years later? 20, 1997. 25. 25. 25 years later, here we are 25 years later and the same damn lie still being told and we don't care. We still we don't care. Did God really say? God said that we're supposed to train up our children in the way they should go. When they get old, they won't depart from it. But somewhere along the line, they told us, no, no, we're supposed to uh, send them to public schools where strangers, Luciferians, communists, socialists, Pagans will train our children. That's what we're supposed to do. And by the way, most of the pastors encourage you to do that. They encourage you to do that. Because if the pastors were really, really concerned, I'm sorry, I'm going to step on some toes here. Every pastor out there ought to have a Christian school. Every pastor ought to have a Christian school or a Christian co-op where the church funds the education of their children. And as long as we continue to send our children to Caesar to be educated, we can't be shocked when they come back to us, little Romans. Amen. That's what's happening to us. Lie upon lie upon lie upon lie upon lie. And you know why we don't get it? Because we were lied to in the schools and we accepted it. And we sit here today and we believe, we believe prayer before a football game is against the law. Coming back to Cadillac Williams. What Cadillac Williams say, basically, I don't care if I keep football job here. I'd like to be the football coach. I don't care. But we got young men whose lives are a mess. And the only solution to them is Jesus Christ. And I'm proud that 12 of them got saved. You know, however many it was, nine of them got baptism. I couldn't care about touchdowns. I don't care about any of that kind of stuff. We have a generation that's adrift, that needs rescued. And I, as a football coach, I can make a wonderful, wonderful difference in their lives. That's what I want to do. With a board of directors, at Auburn University, hire a Christian man who actually says that. Ah, you're smarter than that, aren't you? They ain't going to hire him. You know what they're going to say? They believe in segregation. They say, here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do, Cadillac. You need to go find yourself a job at a Christian school. Right? You, you know I'm telling you the truth. You go, you'd be, you're a fine coach, but go find it at a Christian school. Not a public school, no, because a public school is communistic and atheistic, where most people send their kids. And if you don't want your kids trained in a communistic, atheistic school, send them to a 
Christian school. You little Christians can go over here and learn about Jesus while we're over here learning about homosex. Hmm? And by the way, even if you take your little children and you put them in Christian schools, we're going to take your tax dollars and we're going to teach your neighbor's kids that homosex is normal. See you tomorrow.